I think the biggest way you can tell is if someone's willing to spend time with you. If they're not willing to spend time with you, maybe they're good, but they're not going to help you. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte, and I'm here with Matt Rouse. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, today we have JC Rogowskis with us. Hi, JC. Hello. Who are you? What do you do? Well, my name is JC Rogowskis. I work with American Pacific Mortgage. So I do uh, residential, commercial, and hard money lending. Wow. Perfect. There we go. All right. Thanks for joining us. Have a good... No, okay. All right. So (laughs) evidently, we heard you speak at a local networking event about how real estate investing can be accessible to the average show or something like that, right? To somebody who's not super rich, which is is kind of a misconception, right? You can only do it if you're rich, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what were you actually talking about and, and how would it apply kind of? Yeah, for sure. So I do a lot of networking events in the Hillsborough area, for sure. But recently, the last few months specifically, I've been on this kick about wealth and happiness. And I've just been kind of going through trying to absorb as much information around that as I really can. And it helps me in my personal life, but also in a lot of of ways with my business because it opens up different ideas for what real estate investing is, what real growth of wealth is, and and who can attain it. Well, awesome. So let's talk about real estate because that's kind of what you do, right? You're in the mortgage industry. So do you think investing in real estate is still a good strategy like moving forward? So 2019 on because real estate in the Portland metro right now is insane. Houses cost $150,000 more than they did three or four years ago, and nothing has changed, right? So is it still a good investment strategy to get into? So it's interesting you say that because the fact that houses cost so much more than they did before is exactly why people should get into real estate investing. I think if you ask anybody who makes money off of real estate, loan officers like myself or you know real estate people or insurance people, things like that, of course they're going to say anytime is a great time to invest because... That's how they make money. But honestly, if you think about investing in the stock market, if you have a bull market where things are doing well and prices are up, you don't stop investing. You just invest smartly. And the same thing is going to be with real estate investment. It's an investment, right? Even if it's your primary home, even if it's the place where you live and the place where, or especially if it's where you're going to have your family, it's not just a home. It's an investment. It's a wealth building tool and opportunity. And no matter when or what the prices happen to be, it's always a good time to make an investment. 2007, 2008, for example, was you know our last collapse. I bought my first home in 2007, probably one month before the whole collapse. Oof. Yeah, so I bought my house and it was the very next month, $20,000 more, worth $20,000 more than the month before. The month after that, it was $60,000 less. But I still own that home. And as you said, almost exactly, that home is about $150,000 more than when I bought it. So as long as you can afford the investment, as long as you have a solid plan in place to grow that wealth and think of it as a plan and not just a, you know, a whim, it's always a good time to invest. So we bought our house right after the crash, which was pretty good timing. It wasn't really that intentional. It was, we were already saving up to get a house, and then the prices dropped so much that we could afford one. So it was good timing, but it wasn't like we didn't like wait for the crash kind of thing. For sure. 
we just hadn't saved up enough money yet, but after the market crashed, we were able to buy a house on a short sale for, I mean, what I would consider nothing at this point because our house is over doubled in value in five years. But that happens with almost every type of market. You get this sort of, you know, super fast inflation when an area becomes popular. And then there's always a drop. And then there's kind of like, they call it the trough, right? That's what happens between the first big jump. You guys can all see me pointing on the podcast, right? Yep. All right. So there's a first big bump. Then there's like the trough, which is like a section of downturn. And then things will slowly start to raise again. And it, unless something happens to that marketplace, invariably, it will be higher than it was after the first jump. So even if the real estate market crashes or like the Bitcoin cryptocurrency market crashed, you know, all those things... The crypto coin that I bought just before the crash, it wasn't just before, it was like a couple months before the crash, is now worth more than when I bought it because I didn't sell it. Yep, exactly. So, Well, I think if you can watch out for timing in the market, that's awesome. But I would say don't make that stop your investing. Don't right. not invest because, oh, that downturn is just around the corner. You know what I mean? I think play it smart and don't necessarily jump in when things are crashing, right? Right, But there is no sign of that. And in fact, most top economists say that we're not close to that. And I can go into a little bit more detail about that um, as we talk more. But definitely the most solid place to be for real estate investing is continue to invest. Invest as soon as you can. But if you're able to, have that wealth set aside so that if there is a crash, that you're not completely maxed out or tapped out. You know what I mean? Because right. if you were to buy in 2007 like I did and have enough funds to pick up one of the cheap houses in 2008 when they were at the rock bottom, you could have doubled the investment and still be secure. Right. And so you just have to ideally be ready to invest when the time is right. But don't let that stop you from investing. Now, we also have, we have a lot of listeners that are outside of the United States. And mortgages don't work the same in every country, right? So you can't get a 30-year fixed mortgage almost anywhere except the United States. So we do have a pretty big advantage here where you can get sort of a fixed cost on what your lodging cost of your family is. Like, I'm never going to sell my house. I don't know why I would ever sell it because it's about half the price most people rent a house for now. And like I said, it's it's like we, we bought it at the time. It was so cheap, but that's a fixed cost now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if we were to buy another house, which is our plan eventually, we want to buy another bigger house with some property and something nice. And, you know, there's, there's like a little bit of a plan in place there. And then we're going to rent out the other house. And I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying is when you can get, when you get a fixed cost over time, inflation and other factors are going to raise the cost of living. But you have a fixed cost of living because you've set that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I personally have mixed emotions on 30-year fixed products. It is definitely the most common in the United States because we are sold on the security of it, for sure. It may not be the most... Well, the interest rates are good now, too. But well, sure. I mean, yeah, you can't deny that piece of it. The benefit of a of an adjustable rate, though you do risk more, it does have other benefits to it. And I think most of the world sees that. And so, not to bash either way, I think you're absolutely correct that it does allow you for a stable and consistent footing to plan either the rest of your life or future wealth building opportunities. 
So if you're not going to use a fixed mortgage or some kind of fixed way to do an asset, why would you use an adjustable versus a fixed, I guess would be the question. And, it, and I mean, it could be any situation. You just make it up. You don't have to like <laughs> tell us about somebody's you know finances or anything. Sure. Well, so there's a couple different products out there. If you talk about just adjustable rate mortgages, ARMS, there's been what we quote unquote call recent, 2007, 2008, harm done by a lot of those. And that's where a lot of fears is brought up and, and mentioned about that. But when used appropriately, and you know, admittedly, the crash, seven and eight, there was some predatory lending. Luckily, we have regulations in place for that. will significantly limit not only a future crash, but also any of those big catastrophic issues like that. So let me stop you there once quick. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, but what would you say is the definition of predatory lending? I think there are terms such as what a reasonable person could do or should expect, right? And I basically champion it. I build my marketing on helping people that have either been turned down or don't know how to start, whether that's start with their first investment property or their first home. And I think getting a plan in place is where I always say people need to start is talk about it because all too often, and I see it every day, is people jump into something and they don't know the process. They're just kind of swept along with it. In all honesty, I think most of them don't want to know the process. Right. It's so outside of their world. It's only going to happen once. It's only going to last 30 days. So they just want someone to take care of them and right. trust that they have that person. But what that leads to is people taking advantage of that trust or yeah. that not necessarily unwillingness, but that unfamiliarity with the process. That happens in every market, though, right? Sure. You get someone who's... The car mechanic sees someone come in that they don't think is going to be knowledgeable about their vehicle, so they charge them a whole bunch of, you know, charges for stuff that doesn't really exist or problems they don't have. Or I heard a horror story recently where a mortgage broker was charging a woman a monthly fee after the sale had happened for a year. Just for his services? Just for Just his services. You know, here's, here's what it's going to cost for me to do this <clears throat> loan, even though he's paid from the loan, he was still charging her like $1,000 a month or something for a year afterwards because yeah. that's what his services cost. People want someone that they can trust to work with, but the problem is that it's a really difficult world to figure out if you can trust someone or not. And I mean, we talked about building trust pretty much every single episode of this podcast. If you go back there, we say the word trust along with the word plumber in like every single <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's right. How would somebody that they don't have a plan in place right now, they are just starting to think about buying a house or anything like that, and let's say that they have credit issues, how would they start the process and how would they be able to get into a home themselves instead of paying these astronomical rent prices? I mean, simple answer, talk to me. That's really what it breaks down to is it's talk to somebody who I live this every day. Right. And then I think that comes back to the same point of of people not knowing much about the process. They have their jobs, their lives every day. I do mortgages every day. I think since a little kid, real estate's been my thing. I've been in financing for, for 15 years, banking and financing. And I just think about it too much. So I might as well put it to good use. Right. right. Help people. Right. And um, you're licensed in Oregon and Washington and Washington correct. state. Right. So Oregon have, state, Washington state. And have access to brokerage products throughout all 50 states. Okay. So let's say somebody's in wherever. They're in, in Kentucky or California or something. Sure. Do you have tips for them on how they can find a trustworthy mortgage broker to use? <laughs> or is that kind of like a individual case basis kind of thing? Or is there some way that they can gauge how they can trust someone? Sure. I guess that can be kind of tough, honestly. 
it's sad because a lot of the good loan officers, a lot of the good brokers, have gotten to a point where smaller or more complex deals they don't have to deal with. Whereas some of the, the newer ones or ones that don't really know what they're doing are the ones still taking on everybody. And so that can be really tricky to kind of to gauge out, okay, who's here to just make a buck, but also who's experienced enough to help me. So it can be very difficult. I think the biggest way you can tell is if someone's willing to spend time with you. If they're not willing to spend time with you, maybe they're good, but they're not going to help you. Right. And then if they don't know what they're doing, you'll find that out by spending time with them. <laughs> and so I think the big point is plan ahead, right? Don't fall in love with a house and say, okay, I need a loan. Right. Let's get started and then jump into this thing because you only have 30 days to close. Think about this as a wealth building opportunity as an investment, not just getting out of the space you're in, not just getting a home. Think of it as a long-term movement and something to spend some time considering. I mean, actively think about it. Right. Do some research, not just on rates, but what it means to own a home and how it can help you. And then take time with people. Again, not just rate shopping, but figuring out what they know and how they can share that with you, not just get you through the process. Right. And we see a lot of real estates now, or like real estate agents. We work with a lot of agents, brokerages, and they oftentimes will require pre-approval letters or something like that before they'll even show somebody a house. Right. That's good. They should. Yeah. A lot of times it depends on the cost of the property, right? Like they'll show $200,000 homes to anybody, but they're not going to show an $800,000 house to somebody unless they're pre-approved. So I was listening to another podcast called Business Lunch is, is a good one that I really like with Roland Frazier. He was interviewing someone who started when they were 19 years old buying houses with like no cash down. He like saw one of those articles in the back of a magazine, like in the old days, you used to have to cut them out, put it in an envelope with five bucks or whatever, and like mail it to get your pamphlet on how to do pre-internet time, right? And I guess he had done a bunch of buying and selling from that point forward. Uh, he, he started pretty young and stuff. And, and he was asking him and he was like, well, I don't really do that anymore because now he works with a startup company, a marketing tech startup. But Roland Frazier, the host of the podcast, he was like, well, I think that still works. Like you can still buy houses with no money down or a limited amount of money down, you know, if you get the right kind of lending or loan products with it. I mean, I was curious to ask you, is that even actually a thing that still works? Or are these guys kind of in a different world at this point? So I think the no money down for investing purposes, so the fix and flips, the they get it in and then just turn around and sell it. I think that idea has sold a lot of books right. and a lot of lectures. It was definitely more feasible back pre-2007, 2008, because of the lack of regulations right. and the products that were available due to the lack of regulations. Now, that's not to say it's not completely not out there. For the common person, the average Joe, as we put it, right, there are still zero down programs. Right. There are still super low down programs. 3% is achievable for just about anybody. Worst case scenario, three and a half with FHA, right? So there are plenty of products that can help even your first time home buyer, your starter person, your average Joe get into a home. Now, if you're looking for investment and flipping, people want to see a little bit more skin in the game for that. Doesn't mean it has to be your money. There are ways around using your money to get into it, but generally they want to have some kind of investment. And that's usually where you would get a shorter term, like an arm or something like that, right? For Uh, Theoretically, that's another, I mean, that's one vehicle for for short-term low interest. As you mentioned, rates are so low now, arms don't don't really yeah, make a whole lot of sense, sense anymore because right you yeah. can't get much lower than the 30-year fixed when you're thinking of it in terms of short-term deals. So I review arms I mean, because you've got one-year through 10-year arms, and 
their rates just don't match their years anymore. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, maybe in a few years, you know, if it goes up to triple what it is now, then it might make more sense, yeah. right? But yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, the idea of of investing that way is out there, definitely there. It doesn't have to be your money, but you're gonna have to have some cash in most cases. I'm just absorbing because I'm in that. So, I know you're in that. I'm in that searching hey, area um, mode. So I'm paying eighteen hundred dollars a month for my house right now. In rent? In rent. And I could be paying a lot less, well, a lot even would be 200 bucks, right? Less for an actual house. Maybe not in Portland, but... Maybe not. Or, or, or well, in the greater Portland area. You what, could be paying the same. Who was I would it? say the right. same. Drive until you make it or drive until you qualify. Exactly. Like, yep. I'm fine living out of town a little bit. That's, <laughs> that's okay. I hear there's a, a beautiful home in Vernonia that has an open house this weekend. So if you want to drive until you qualify. It, uh... It also overlooks a lake if you haven't seen the actual property. Not so, in a flood zone. Just overlooks a flood it. <laughs> it overlooks a lake, but the lake only happens every 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went out to Vernonia when they had that big flood last time. What a disaster that was. Jesus. I broke my ribs on a slip and slide in Vernonia, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, was it because so, of the flood? Or that's right. No. no just, it was just a fat guy. Did you, say, did you say hold my beer before you did it? <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. There is no video of it happening, so that's a bonus <laughs> in the day of cell phones and cameras. All right, so anyway, JC, how do people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about the products and how you can help them? Simplest way, call or text me, 360-607-3017. You can also shoot me an email at jc.rogauskas, that's R-O-G-A-U-S-K-A-S, at apmortgage.com. So, you know we're international, right? So if you start getting calls from, <laughs> let's see, I've had somebody from Sweden reach out, one that I couldn't understand because it was in like uh, Mandarin or something. So that's fun. But anyway, I had somebody reach out from Canada, calls. but I speak Canadian, so it was okay. <laughs> you speak Canadian? I do, eh? Perfect. All right. So thank you for joining us, and I look forward to watching you grow over the next couple of years. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marka. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we talk with Kara Radecki from Ancora Counseling about what imposter syndrome is and how to overcome it. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.